0: on Kings your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello and welcome to another episode of the locked on Kings podcast my name is Matt George joined by Charles T. Hamilton and we hope that you are enjoying your Tuesday getting ready for Sacramento Kings and Dallas Mavericks tonight I went solo yesterday Chuck is back with me to help carry this ship further and Chuck, I spent a lot of time yesterday spending way too much time ranting about the comments of Yorgos Papianas' agent and how ridiculous his comments were. If you haven't heard it, listeners, I encourage you to go back and listen to it if you want my take on the whole thing or just read the story itself and listen to or read the comments uh, that were made by Mr. Olympios, which is Papianas' agent. I encourage you to do so. It's interesting. It's a good story, I guess, gives us plenty of content to talk about, but I shared every ounce of opinion that I possibly could on it yesterday, so I'm not going to waste your time reiterating it. But what I am going to do really quickly before we dive into this Kings-Dallas-Mavericks matchup is I'm going to get Charles's take on everything. So, Chuck, you saw and heard the comments by Olympios. Oh, yeah. You know that Papianis was not a good pick to begin with for the Sacramento Kings. You yeah. and I both are on the same page that this was the right move to let him go. What were your thoughts on the comments, how his... Uh, Agent handled everything, and ultimately, are you just ready and prepared to move on from Papianas in general?
1: He handled it poorly. Agent's comments were out of line, unnecessary. They're not going to help Papianas get signed anywhere else. Uh, Papianas' play probably eliminated a lot of that also. But, yeah, it was just unnecessary and kind of stupid and uh, incorrect. I mean, bringing up the drive to Reno was really whiny and dumb, but... you know, One of the problems was the fact that he was taken 13th overall, and there might have been some expectations put upon him because of where he was picked, but he had every opportunity that he needed to be a part of the Kings moving forward, and he did not take advantage of it. Or, I mean, he just didn't play well enough. You know, I take, saying he didn't take advantage of it makes it sound like he was lazy or something. I don't know if he was lazy or not. I mean, from all I know, he he worked hard and just isn't good enough. But the idea that the Kings did something wrong in... How they treated him is incorrect. What they did wrong was taking him with the thirteenth overall pick. Yep. Um, Every every ranking I saw pre draft had him in the forties or fifties. I was shocked when the Kings took him uh, at all, much less at thirteen. So that that's the main problem. But what what the agent said was was out of line and ridiculous and. I I have to imagine it's not someone that a lot of N- NBA teams are going to want to deal with moving forward.
0: And ultimately, the Sacramento Kings are trying to do, I think, what NBA and Kings fans should do, and that's move on. They yeah. recognized it wasn't a good pick. In fact, it was a disaster of a pick. And with the changes going forward that they're trying to make with this franchise, with their all-ahead full plan about developing young talent when they already have the amount of young talent on this roster that genuinely needs and warrants a lot of attention there's no point in having someone like that whether he's a perfect angel an attitude problem guy whatever whoever he is 20 years old seven feet tall he could be eight feet tall for all that that matters if he's just taking up a roster spot but not using it not gonna benefit from it and ultimately the kings are just paying money for a project that there's really no point in pursuing no point just move on it doesn't matter and the kings are ready to move on actually use that runner spot for a guy like Jakar Sampson somebody that can actually potentially come in and make a difference or actually deserves minutes and can get some run at the NBA level we know that the kings are dealing with some injuries as well Scal eventually is going to come back Frank Mason is going to come back Iman Schumper is going to come off of injury at some point these are all roster spots that you are going to want to use and can effectively use for the rest of this season, going into the off-season and in future seasons going forward. So, ultimately, I think it's just time to move on. Pap- yeah, and if, he, is- if
1: he was that good and and mistreated that poorly, he would have been claimed or signed by another team, and he hasn't been. It, it it's it's a non-story basically. He's gone. It was the right move to cut him. It was not the right move to draft him, and it is what it is.
0: Something else that I talked about on yesterday's podcast, Chuck, uh, was the minutes that Buddy Heald has been getting. I was a little surprised because before the Portland game on Friday of last week, that was the first game after the trade deadline, I tweeted out that I would like to see both De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald get at least 35 minutes, especially with the amount of injuries on this team, with the trades being made, especially moving George Hill to open up more time for your guards to play. I for sure expected... Darren Fox to be 35-plus minutes, which he was. Mm -hmm. He's played 35 minutes in both uh, the Portland game and in the loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he had a great game in that one. Also, I think 23 points he pulled down. Um, But Buddy Heald has been a surprise. Yeah, In my opinion, he is the best potential scorer on this team as of right now. In my opinion, if you need someone down the stretch to get you buckets in a hurry— he is the guy and we saw him do that late against the Portland Trailblazers he was the only reason why that game was somewhat close down the stretch ultimately the Kings couldn't get any stops even with Damian Lillard on the bench so why is a guy like Buddy Heald only getting 19 or 20 minutes against the Timberwolves and maybe 22 minutes against the Portland Trailblazers that doesn't make any sense to me
1: I, the only thing I can think of is his defense isn't stellar but now while watching the T-Wolves game I remember sitting there looking it's like six minutes left in the fourth five minutes four man where's Buddy yeah what is going on I because like you said he's probably the best scoring option they have at this point uh I agree with you there's some lineups that I'd like to see especially when Scal gets back uh with you know Justin Jackson sliding to the floor to the four Scal playing the five kind of a small ball type lineup but but Buddy's part of that also he I I don't understand it either Maybe defensively, but I don't think he's a big enough liability defensively that he shouldn't be on the floor at
0: important times when you have a chance to win a game. Well, who's the guy in front of him right now? That's Garrett Temple. Yeah. You can easily make the argument that Temple is a better perimeter defender, Mm -hmm. and defender in general, than Buddy Heald. But— I think there's an argument for Buddy Heald as to who's the overall better offensive player. Actually, it may not be that much of an argument at all. Buddy Heald, I think, is the all-around better offensive player no question. than Garrett Temple. No question. For a team like the Sacramento Kings, that I'm not saying take minutes away from Garrett Temple because I think he's an important part of the developmental process for this team going forward, and he should continue to get a good amount of minutes for the remainder of the season. That being said, when you're a team that's expected to lose, when you're a team that struggles defensively anyway, and one guy in Garrett Temple is not going to change all of that— Buddy Heald should be on the floor, and he yeah. should be getting those chances to put up those points, get those minutes, find his shot. And and uh, a couple of Kings fans that I've talked to have, have said, well, maybe he's not playing because if he gets off to slow starts and he's missing shots, he just has an off night, and maybe Garrett Temple can have a better night than him. I understand that to an extent. However, I'm okay with Buddy Heald taking a lot of shots, even if he misses. He if, he's, should. if he's 0 of 16 for a game, but 10 of them are good looks and they're just not falling, to me that's a positive. Shoot or shoot, and that's the only way you get out of
1: a slump is by continuing to shoot you're not right. going to get out of a shooting slump by n- so it, it I, I'm with you and there's no reason you can't play all three together I mean it'd be a smaller lineup but what the hell buddy De'Aaron and Garrett Garrett can guard threes you know he's a perimeter defender so I, I agree it's something that that I've noticed at times and it's it's just odd because of his uh, prowess on offense that why wouldn't you have him on the floor more
0: so, Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich have both been named to the uh, the Rising Stars Challenge. They're on Team World. It's going to be fun to see both of them representing the Kings. Also, Buddy Heald is competing in the uh, Skills Challenge, so he will be out there get a chance to to prove his worth. What do you think? Ultimately, that doesn't really matter. I mean, it's a, it's a good honor but it's nothing really more than that. But what do you think that does for the confidence of young players like Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich to be named to Team World and to get that opportunity on that All-Star Game Showcase or All-Star Weekend Showcase to to show what you do and show why you're the future of the league?
1: I mean, it's got to help. It's got to be a nice feeling because even though you're not an All-Star, you're still part of the All-Star festivities, part of the weekend. You get to be there hobnobbing with the All-Stars and all that good stuff. So... It's it's nice. It's better than not being selected for it, you know, so it, uh, I don't know how much it'll help or how much confidence it'll give them, maybe a little, but it definitely is something that uh, you'd rather be there than not.
0: So the Sacramento Kings are in Dallas to take on the Mavericks tonight. It's the third time these teams are meeting this season. The Kings won game one at the very early parts beginning of the season in Dallas. Dallas won recently back here in Sacramento. Both these teams on paper statistically are almost dead even in every category. Similar shooting percentage, 45%, similar rebounds per game, very similar turnovers, assist to turnover ratio is almost identical. Uh, You pretty much across the board have two very similar rosters with the exception of a little more veteran heavy and bigger veteran Mm -hmm. presence on the Dallas Mavericks than you do uh, in Sacramento. Everybody always has their eye on the guard matchup between De'Aaron Fox and um, Dennis Dennis Smith Smith Jr. Jr., Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to what you or where you lean on which team is in the better position going forward. Ultimately both are rebuilding, uh, but, dallas has more established talent to where sacramento has talent that you're you don't know exactly what it is yet but it has a high ceiling which are you more comfortable with out of the two
1: uh i mean if it's win a game today it's probably dallas but moving forward uh the long view it's sacramento because sacramento has 17 wins dallas has 18 wins sacramento has 17 wins with very few long-term contracts that are costing them not a lot of money the the Mavs have uh, Harrison Barnes making max money. They have uh, Wesley Matthews making 17 million a year uh, and a number of other contracts as well. So the the Kings have a lot more flexibility moving forward to try and improve their team where with the Mavs it's it's a bunch of highly paid vets with the poor record where with the Kings, at least it makes sense that you have, you know 10 rookies, second third year players and you're you're not playing well. Uh, but when you have to, when you're shelling out big money for vets and and only win an 18 games so far, that's that's a problem.
0: Let's talk about the legacy of Dirk Nowitzki really quick because he's a guy that both of us have grown up playing. A guy that is a testament to the way the league used to be played. Although he was also a trendsetter with he was one of those big men that I mean the turnaround jumper. His turnaround jumper is one of the most lethal in the history of basketball. One of the most beloved athletes in all of uh professional sports what legacy do you think is he leaving behind and how important is he even though he's definitely up there in age and the dallas mavericks aren't going anywhere near the playoffs this year how important is he you think to the development of this team going forward and to guys like dennis smith jr
1: uh development i'm not sure because i mean it's definitely nice to have a vet around but you know dennis smith jr is a guard and Dirk's a seven-foot, you know, power forward. Uh, as far as his legacy goes, I think he's one of the best to ever do it. He's definitely the best seven-foot shooter we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, he got he got his ring. I remember that championship that they won was so important because it it's just— it, not that it makes a huge difference. Like, Charles Barkley's still one of the greats, but you can always bring up the fact he never won a ring. Mm-hmm. You get that one, you're good. You're solid, and Dirk did get that one against uh, the Heat and LeBron, and it was dramatic and awesome, and uh, I'll always remember that, but he's just one of the best to ever do it, a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, He might even come back next year and play. He's talked about um, just a guy you always like watching, and uh, personality-wise, too, just very gregarious and funny, and uh, you just love seeing him and seeing him get interviewed and and having him around so hopefully he does come back next year cuz his presence is is always appreciated by me
0: after the kings lost to the minnesota timberwolves they i guess were rewarded with the top spot in terms of they were the sole owners of the number 1 overall pick they were mm-hmm. the worst team in the league which is well I should say the best odds in the yeah. lottery. That doesn't yeah. mean they're they're guaranteed going to get the pick, and we know that very well from uh, the Tyreek Evans pick getting number four instead of number one in the Blake Griffin draft a number of years ago. But is that where do you lean on that spectrum? Because to me, winning right now I think is important, and as much as I understand Kings fans' desire to get a, a number one overall and land a, a superstar in what's considered to be a very exciting upcoming draft that has a potentially a lot of of. Uh, quick fixes for the King's future. I don't know how much I trust one, the King's organization to to make the right pick in that spot. And two, how much I trust that the Kings players currently on the team A De'Aaron Fox, for example, is not going to pick up bad habits from a second half of the season where they're not even trying to win. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I don't know how he could pick up bad – like, bad habits are on your own, basically. Like, it's not – as long as they're not sitting De'Aaron Fox to lose games and things like that, it's fine. If you can get wins right on and do it, but I I think it'll work itself out, personally. Yeah, yeah. But – it, I I yeah I don't know about bad habits really I think it's more about getting the playing time uh when it is a close game and it is late in the fourth quarter like with the Minnesota game they did end up losing but uh maybe learning what not to do in those situations because you did end up losing and things like that i I it's tough because yes obviously if you get the number one overall pick you have a better chance at finding that game changing player but <clears throat> here's the deal no matter where they pick. The Kings have to get it right. Yep, That's the biggest part. It, it really doesn't matter where they pick. Just get the pick right. But yes, you have a better chance if you get that number one overall pick.
0: Well, let me give you, an, I guess, an easier decision. The Kings go 500 over the second half of the season. We're talking from the All-Star break on, they go 500, and you go into the offseason feeling pretty good. De'Aaron Fox is stepping up. Bogdan's playing well. Uh, Buddy Heald is your, your leading scorer for that second half of the season. You're feeling good. 500 basketball through the second half. Or... Losing all those games and having the best chance of the number one overall pick approaching the lottery, which makes you feel better. Uh, you know, personally,
1: I think losing because if if even if they go five hundred over the second half, what is that thirty wins on the year, then you might end up with seven, eight, nine. I mean, again, it really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is making the right pick and getting it right. But I mean, look, the top overall pick—you got uh, Mamba, you got Aiton, uh Doncic out of. Europe somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you you just have a lot of talent up there that you can choose from, and it should be a a solid draft this year. Um, I, I just at this point, you're not really playing for anything, so why not? If you had the choice, why not get the the better pick? Um, if it was, you know, we win twenty games in the second half, you know, twenty we go twenty and seven or something, and De'Aaron's putting up thirty a game, yeah. and proves to be a superstar. You take that, yeah. For sure, but when the end game is we won 30 games and are picking eight or nine... I'd rather have the higher pick.
0: The best of both worlds, I guess, in my opinion, is you're competing in every single game. You're losing close mm-hmm. games, but De'Aaron Fox is showing flashes of what he can. The Minnesota
1: make. game, a lot more of the Minnesota game. If
0: if Fox is averaging twenty plus points mm-hmm. and and six assists a night for the second half of the season, and the Kings are losing by an average of three to four points, in not just games against good teams, but games against yeah. bad teams as well, and maybe they win a couple more games on their home floor, I think that's that's the best case scenario. Something
1: I'd like to see uh, out of him is he went four for four in the first quarter. And then I look up and it's halfway through the fourth and he only has ten shots. Get get buckets, man. Yep. Get your shots up. Yeah. This is your squad basically. Take the shots. Take take charge. So that's something I'll be looking for uh
0: moving forward and also. I, th- I think you and I both agree too. Play fast, play yeah. up tempo, and, and take advantage of teams like tonight. Which we saw some of. The we Dallas Mavericks are that. gonna turn the ball over. Yeah. And they're going to miss a lot of shots. So whoever's on the floor. There's no reason why the ball shouldn't be pushed, even if that's not necessarily up Dave Yeager's alley and his game plan. If he's really going to sit back and let these players prove themselves for the Kings to figure out what they need to work on and tweak going forward, I don't know why he wouldn't give the reins over to a guy like De'Aaron Fox and say, turn on the Jets, man, yeah, push the ball. Same it. thing with Buddy Heald, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Willie Cauley-Stein loves to run the floor. Yeah, you've got a
1: young athletic team. Why not? And going and pushing the pace doesn't mean you have to take an early shot. You go and see what you
0: can get, and if there's something there, go for it. If not, bring it back out, and you got... You know, 18 seconds left to make a play. To me, you have to find out what your strengths are and understand what you have before you try and implement a system. And maybe that may be some of the struggle that the Kings are trying to do. Maybe they tried to implement a system too early without completely knowing all the assets of what they had. So maybe this is more of a feeling-out period for the second half of the season.
1: Yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see, man. It'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, the, we, we barely know what any of these players are. Maybe Buddy Healed and, and Willie Cauley-Stein.
0: Maybe. Well, keep an eye on this Kings and Dallas Mavericks game tonight. We will come back tomorrow and break that all down. And then the Kings are taking on the Houston Rockets as well on uh, Wednesday. That is tomorrow. So there's a lot going on, a a tough doubleheader in Texas, and we hope uh, you will join us for that one. But for my partner, Charles T. Hamilton, my name is Matt George. Thank you for joining us on the Locked on Kings podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. Go Kings tonight as they take on the Dallas Mavs.
1: You are locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast.